Hi, this is the Tupner Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we might find interesting. Your hosts today are Kem Raj and Cliff Gregg. How are you doing, Kem? I'm doing fine, Cliff. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's been a been another good week. So, so what's what's the big question for today here? Hey, uh, today the big question is: Do you own your platform? So um, we want to kind of talk about what a platform is, and you know what are some of its properties. You know how products weave into it, and then leave it um, to our audience to decide. Sure. So as we we think about platforms, um, what what do you think of when you think of a platform? What, what is that, and what are some examples? So um, if you go out there on the internet, you know, it's full of, um, you know, face definitions and, um, and in some cases, platforms and products are used interchangeably. But I think there is a, a, a very um, a stark difference. So um, if you look at a product, you know, it is built to meet certain specific requirements or functionality. Um, to achieve a certain purpose, or uh, in terms of functionality, or and end user does not care how it is built as long as it works to those specifications and uh, end user satisfaction. A platform, on the other hand, is a collection of modules and maybe even tools, um, and they are loosely related, but they can be put together with a definition, kind of a definition, to define a product, for example, or a service. So what I see is that a platform is extensible, it is programmable, and it consists of uh, reusable pieces of code or you know components. It's actually open set of uh, components. So users do care very much about the platform and how it is designed. So the platform is, is kind of the technology or the base technology that you build your product on and the, the pieces that, that kind of go, go into your product as you build a, build a device. Right. And I'm just trying to think of an example. So like a, a smartphone might be, might mm-hmm. be the product but Android might be a platform that was used to build the product or, or something like that, or the Linux kernel. Mm-hmm. Very well said, yes. So, you know, there are like those examples you cited are exactly the difference um, where you may have um, Android as a platform, but then you may have Pixel, which is actually a product that basically is built on top of Android. Sure. So, so now that we've we've kind of gone over that, what 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 are some desirable qualities that you see in a platform? So, as um, you know, platform essentially um, is actually a living being to a certain extent, right? So, um, and then there are certain things that it it evolves into, but then there are certain aspects of it which are always required or are basically inherent to it and for example availability right mm-hmm. is this technology available 
is it easily available or can we get it or sure. it could be stability right and it could be does it perform well for you know what we are putting it together for um how is it how easy it is to fix it when it breaks because you know uh, things will break all the time and and i like it uh, the, uh, the the adaptability of it right because today uh, in a lot of places products are short lived right um and then they change uh, you may have a phone with a different screen size you know in the six months it may be something else so how adaptable it is is it customizable or you know what are the features can it adapt to those features in in future so um so these are some of the ones i can think of um how about you what do you see from your point of view uh, on you know the the platform priorities sure if, i guess if we think go back to availability you know with the uh component shortages we see today that's that's a huge issue mm -hmm. for a lot of companies that, that build their products around a certain processor or other major pieces of silicon that you can't just easily swap it out for another piece of silicon. Mm -hmm. So that's an example where where the um, the system on chip or the processor is, is part of your platform. And if, that, if that's not available anymore or you don't have an easy way to move your your device to another processor, then then you're kind of stuck. And we see see that now with automobiles and, and pretty much any type of equipment, you know, they're, they can't get engines for them or, or electronics. So they're just being built and stuck in lots until they can get the electronics and sell them. Yeah. So the, the other thing I think about with, with the platform is, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And, and when we, when we build a product today, we, we can't do everything from the ground up. So we have to, we have to start with a lot of other stuff. You know, it can come from open source projects. It can come from vendors providing components or operating systems or code or whatever. So we have all this stuff. And then, and then for, for most of us, you know, the, the parts of the system that we write or create are a small percentage of the overall system as far as engineering effort. And one analogy I've used before is, is the iceberg analogy where, where most of it's underwater. And I, I call that the, the, the platform or whatever you started with. And then the, the part you're working on is just this little bit you see above water. But if you don't have some control over the part the invisible parts, you know, it can really, really slow you down or stop you. So, yeah. So that's just what I've seen in my experience. Uh, it's, um, it's real tempting to try to find somebody who can just solve all your problems and just make it all go away. Like, you know, use a third party solution or, you know, that we don't have to get our hands dirty with any of this platform stuff, you know, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, at some point we have to deal with it. We have to kind of understand what's there. We don't need to create it all or, or even touch it most of the time, but we can't really predict where we're going to run into problems or where we're going to need to customize pieces of it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, 
Yeah, I think um, um, there was actually a term. I think I uh, it was Professor Clayton Christensen. I think mm -hmm. um, the innovator solution. So it says that the value is actually created when people rearrange the existing economic systems and processes into ways that are more and more beneficial to them. That's the value, right? And if you go by that, platform offers you act exactly, you know, the, the Lego building blocks that you can then put together and like g get those innovative solutions out there. Yeah, surprisingly amounts of, of good value can be derived just from combining different things together. Mm -hmm. But but I, f I feel like it has to be that. It has to be where you're doing something. You're not just building something on top of one, one piece. You know, you have to combine different things or do something that's a little bit unique and, and adds value. Mm -hmm. And as, as a bigger company gets, they can afford to to create more and more of the platform. An example might be Apple. You know, they've mm -hmm. created almost all of their platform, at least the major pieces of it, where other companies, they just don't have the resources to do that. So they more combine different pieces. Yeah. And those of us who work with smaller organizations, you know, we're, we're using more and, and combining more. Right. So one thing is an, as an architect like you, um, one of our one of our jobs is to select the right technology. So, how do you go about that? Because selecting the right pieces of your platform is important. So, you have any tips for how you approach that? Or, oh, it's a very difficult question, and it's a good one. Um, and many a times, you um, you apply certain testable methods and and ways, maybe. Uh, read about it, you know, talk to people and, and come to those conclusions. One thing that I see is important is that not to have bias. Mm -hmm. So uh, many a times, you know, people have the solution in mind and they try to then grow that into the platform solution. And it might fit into a product to a certain extent, um, but products as I said, are short-lived and it might be fine, but platform, if you make a wrong choice, it'll show on you every day. And so unless you do it correct, you know, you'll have to um, keep working on it. And that is also a good thing. So from platform, one thing I find very, very um, interesting is that if it's, it's evolving, so you are working on one piece at a time and you could do a good job of one piece and then do other piece and likewise you can put it together. One thing I see is it's good to depend on standards. So I can give you an example, like, you know, say if you're doing, you know, CC++, then uh, and it's a coding example, of course, but, um, you know, it's better for you to choose a particular standard um, that you want to code to and not let the platform be coded in a in a standard that is specific to a given compiler or you know that kind of locks you in into one technology underneath so example. you're thinking of proprietary extensions or pragmas or whatever in a compiler that would mm -hmm. make it non-portable to other 
other processors or whatever. Exactly. So, um, so, so, so selecting a right technology is, is very, very important. And then using it in right proportions is also very important that you want to remain you know, as much as um, inter interoperable as much you can. And if we don't have that, then you know the platform will be built on roots that are not strong and it would eventually die. So it's very important that for you to see what you want to put in there in terms of um, in terms of technology, and then you should like continuously look for improving it, right? So what is new developments you want to do? Um, essentially, it's very important to do a lot of investigations uh, ahead of time and with open mind, as I said. Don't go in with a solution in mind and try to fit it in. Sure, you are smart, you will fit it in, but it won't scale. It won't become a platform. So it's not about that, you know, people may say I'm not a, a network engineer and, you know, so that's not really necessary that you know everything. Like, you know, yeah, there are a few folks like that, but uh, you don't have to be that know-it-all person. But you should have people that you can reach out to and you can discuss, right? So then it becomes important that is your network, your um, connected network um, available to you to help out? Can you reach out to experts, right? Um, and get the information that you need uh, to select those technologies. Yes, and that, that's what I feel is one of the big benefits of a community. Yeah, things are so complex today, we definitely can't know everything about all things. But if, if we know who to ask, that's really the, the superpower in this age, you know, to be connected with people that do know answers and can give you good advice and just kind of be tuned in to, to what's going on, listening to people who have domain expertise in certain areas. You know, a lot of people write on blogs or other mediums and provide good information. So there's tons of resources. It's more just a matter of figuring out Mm -hmm. um, who, who these experts are, who do we need to be connected to, uh, filtering out all the noise and, and getting feeds of good, good high quality information. So, Absolutely. And if you look at why open source projects and communities are successful in creating those platforms, and, you know, sometimes people always associate platforms with open source, even though that's not true, but at least that those technologies are feeding in because there's open collaboration kind of gives you this opportunity to network with people who are experts in certain areas more easily than you would otherwise have an opportunity. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about having some amount of control over your platform. Mm -hmm. And um, there's really two aspects of that. One is to solve problems when things go wrong. And, and the other is, is to be able to take the platform where it needs to go for your products and, and your platform, you know, parts of it, you may be building yourself mm -hmm. or you may be customizing parts of existing platforms, but either way, there's really two aspects. One is, one is damage control and the other is moving things forward. Mm -hmm. And I, I think both of those are important to, to consider. Correct. 
Uh, absolutely. I think I lean on the second part. Um, essentially, you know, progressively moving the platform and addressing iterating faster um, helps you quite a lot. So if you kind of focus towards that, um, then most of the times, you know, damage control would take care of itself as well. But more than often, do have to do both. Yeah, I know you're a big, big advocate of staying staying current with things and the the O distribution. We now do monthly releases that are that are from the the tip of open embedded and various meta layers. So, yeah, I, I can see you live it and you walk it in your in your work every day. That you you try to keep things moving forward and at, at the uh, at the tip of where open source development is. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, eventually um, it kind of rolls in a lot of uh, good value uh, into into the um, into the flow. And what I see is that what I see is that the amount of time folks have, there's a lot of value that gets added that way. And, and I guess if it is compounded by a lot of testing, uh, especially CI, you know, more and more CI, how much you can test it's never enough. Mm -hmm. it, it just improves the quality and, you know, it just makes you that 10x more productive. So one aspect of building your own platform is is to be able to reuse it, you know, in multiple products. You know, that's really where you can leverage what you've done in the past is if you can reuse it. And so to do that, things like build systems are very important, um, automation, continuous integration, building things that are flexible. Mm -hmm. And really that's that's pretty much, you know, with the Yo distribution, which is built on Yocto and, and other efforts we're involved in, simple IoT and other things, we're, we're trying to produce platforms that are reusable and flexible for, for a wide range of, of developments. Absolutely. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier on, right, platforms, they are they are recomposable, right? So you basically, so they don't scale, but like in a vertical manner, they scale horizontal, and that is the power. And you, you mentioned about build systems, right? Very critical. Can you have like a build system that can churn out your different products, right? That may not be similar with each other, but can you reuse those build systems to do the work effectively, right? That's a win. Um, similarly, can you reuse certain parts of technology that you deploy in there, right? It could be your operating system, it could be your middleware layer. So, you know, for example, Simple IoT, you know, can, like what the, Simple IoT has this concept of modules where, you know, you can basically, have modules integrated with it that it can work with different protocols. Um, that to me is a platform, right? I may select one, someone else may select three, but in the end, the platform is is enabling you in both cases. And you know, and it could be just me doing two different products and selecting different parts of the platform to be reused. One aspect I would like to add there is a lot of it. There is a lot of upfront discipline that goes into this. And a lot of times people miss it out and they always say, I'm creating a platform for 
others. And that's a very big misnomer. When you create a platform, it's a platform for others, for sure, but also for you. So what that means is when you're building your own platform or your own products on top, you respect the APIs in the same way that you expect others to um, respect when they are interacting with your platform or when they are kind of like using your platform. So APIs as a contract become very important, like how much you respect them um, makes your platform much more scalable. Sure. Can you give us an example where, where maybe that wasn't done and some of the problems it caused? You know, nothing like comes to my mind on top or uh, rather, you know, I probably wouldn't want to call out, but. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a negative. Topic, yeah. So. Yeah, but it it has happened where you, you didn't do a good job of, for example, doing telemetry or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so as your platform or rather the use cases of your platform exploded, um, you suddenly start seeing you have like six different ways of collecting data for telemetry from your platform. And, and you know, you are basically, whoever is deploying your platform, those devices are spending this compute cycles for just doing this duplicate work in many cases, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so in my opinion, that's a bad design at that sure. point. But on the positive side, it offers you an opportunity to, um, to unify because it's a platform, it's not a product. So if you can make sure that your services and your platform can deal with, say, a single pipe or something like that, then you can do that on the platform and, and kind of reinvent the platform to do it. What about cost? Do you have any thoughts on cost or how, that, how you should think about cost in this whole platform versus product mm -hmm. mindset? Yeah, I think it is a very important um, piece. And I think, you know, in the way people are set up, they do product costs most of the time, right? So you have bill of materials and, you know, so there's a um, very good tracking and then you know, all those things fall in place. But platforms are enablers, right? So there is no revenue associated with them right away. Revenue is still coming from your uh, products, right? Platforms are enabling you for that. So a smart product manager, you know, um, works with his architects and, and comes up with tangible values of the platform. So you still have to do, you know, the financials around products, but it's upfront cost that you do on platform that you will basically not see a result right away, you know, into your products. Not a lot of times you will do things like maybe defining a hell layer. And you say, hey, there's only me using it. Why do I need a hell layer? Right? Yeah. So there is that kind of cost that builds in into your, you know, your design at that point when you are evolving the platform. However, your vision is that if I'm spending X amount now and I'm spending another X for my product two, I would be probably spending half the X. So if I then do some work upfront, then my cost for my scaling this platform into different products will be very less. 
So it's kind of the long-term versus short-term thinking. If you're thinking only mm -hmm. product, you're thinking short-term. Mm -hmm. And then each new product takes takes huge amounts of effort. But if you're thinking long-term or platform, then e each each iteration becomes less and less costly as you get to leverage the things you've done before. Mm -hmm. What one example I think of are the uh, the embedded Linux systems we've de we've developed over the years. Embedded Linux is complex. It takes a good bit of work up front to, to get the system running. And but what what I've observed is these 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 products or these platforms they live for ten or more years, and 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 people just keep adding features and more features to to the product or or variants of the product. But but that underlying platform doesn't really change much. You know, you have a embedded Linux system running on a SOC that's stable. That doesn't change. You have an update system that doesn't change much over the years. Um, you have a way to deploy updates, and if you can just keep building on that product and adding features, because the platform is so extensible, you know you you can you can really do a, do a lot. Whereas a more constrained platform like an MCU with an RTOS, which may only have a megabyte or two of of application code space you know you're the first application you may have plenty of space but you know if you develop over 10 years pretty soon you'll fill up that limited space or it it may not have the features or drivers for some new protocol or device that you want to interface to mm -hmm. so I, I feel that's an mcu would be an example of a more constrained type platform or embedded linux it's just wide open and again, there's there's good reasons to use either one in different scenarios. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know, in, in platforms, what I see is there are primarily, I guess, two kind of platforms, right? One is where it's a transaction-based platform. You know that we are building these days, if, you know, Facebooks and WhatsApps and whatnot, right? Twitters and and then the other ones are the you know the inno innovation platforms. And what we have been kind of, you know, talking about more on are on the innovation side, and um, and of course, you know, they definitely fuel you up into features, provided you do the right decisions based upon your platform choices. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you talk about like your personal platforms. What is uh, a personal platform? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, thinking about this, it kind of occurred to me that maybe some of these thoughts, we, we've been talking mainly about a company developing a product and maintaining a platform, but, you know, personally, we, we can apply some of these same ideas. You know, we all have experiences, we have skills, and we have things we can do. You know, if, if you can reuse some of these over time to, to keep learning, to keep developing, and combine these different skills to do valuable things. Mm -hmm. it, it's um, where I think we can really leverage what, what we've done in the past. And for, for me, part of that is just writing down stuff I've learned. You know, every time I, I learn something, I feel significant and I put it in my list and then I review it occasionally. One thing I've been trying to do more lately is if I, if I help somebody with something, instead of just emailing them, well, oh, this is how you do this. I put it in 
in some type of documentation that's going to be long lived. And then I share that documentation with them. So mm -hmm. that's, that's just an example where I, I'm, I'm kind of building what I know in, into a platform that can be reused and, and yeah. hopefully beneficial to, to many others long-term versus one email that soon goes into the black hole of your email inbox and is never seen again. So, yeah. Yeah, they say that email is where information goes to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very useful, for, but I, I, it's not for long-lived information for sure. Yeah, very well said. I think the personal platforms, you could be a blogger, you know, and you could be a writer, it could be different things. And so kind of pay attention to what what is your platform for being productive. And that could be you know, a combination of technologies and practices. And so, um, you know, that will be your platform. Superb. So um, I know we started with this question, do you own your platform? So now, you know, having discussed about this, I'll put this again that, you know, this question may sound uh, funny, ridiculous, because, you know, no one company can own all the technology except Apple, maybe. But um, how do you kind of like extend your own platform? It will basically how far you can go with your platform will determine your success and, and your destiny, I guess. Yeah, I think owning your platform is more of a, a mindset versus like an absolute reality. Mm -hmm. And if, if you approach product development with a with kind of a hands-off approach, which says, I, I just want everyone else to do everything and solve all my problems. And I don't want to get my hands dirty with understanding a lot of the details. Then, you know, that's, that's kind of a, an approach where I feel like you, you won't be able to add a lot of unique value. And, and I feel that's one reason open source is so successful because we can take these huge engineering works and developments and we can use them but we can also be a part of them we can participate in the community we can provide input mm -hmm. we can actually fix bugs if we want or or add features it, it, it's the opportunity is at least there for us you know many of us won't take it but you, you know that again it's just a mindset thing do we do we want to use technologies where, where we can be part of that technology if we choose to. Mm -hmm. Very well said, very well said. And I think with this, we will leave the listeners, do you own your platform? And so perhaps we'll continue. There is a open source aspect of platform, you know, in terms of technology. And that's very interesting as well. I think there's a whole different aspect to the platforming um, that has developed over the past 10, 20, 30 years. And I uh, think maybe in a follow-up, we will discuss more on that aspect as well. So, uh, Yeah, and I think also maybe some of some experiences on how to, how to, how to create and maintain a platform, I think, would be, be fun to discuss too. So, yeah, yeah, great thoughts. And if, if you... Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, please reach out to our reach out to us in any way you can. We're we're available many different places, so feel free to contact us or share this. Thank you for listening.
Thank you.